I'm going to ask you to get your Bibles out, your sermon notes, and we're going to dive into God's Word for just a few moments tonight. For the next uh, few weeks up to and through Easter, we will be uh, going back in time to our Red Letter Day series where we talk about Jesus and preach on Him through Easter. So these Sundays ahead, we're going to look at the words of Jesus in your Bible. Chances are these words are in red. They're His words to His followers. They weren't meant for a long time ago, just to a few people. They're meant for us today. And so when Jesus speaks in these words, he's talking to you. And he's equipping us to follow him. And as followers, we want to hear what Jesus says. So we're going to jump into Mark chapter 1, and we're going to look at the very first words in red of Jesus. This is the Gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 1, and kind of off the video we just watched, it says in verse 9, at the time... Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. He was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my Son, whom I love. With you I am well pleased. At once the Spirit uh, sent him into the wilderness, and he was in the wilderness 40 days being tempted by Satan. He was with the wild angels and the, or excuse, with the wild animals. Wild angels, that'd be pretty wild, wouldn't that? No, wild animals. I'm sure the angels were wild too, but the angels attended him. Here's our key verses. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. The first words of Jesus. Sometime after the baptism of Jesus and the temptation, John finds himself in prison, and John the Baptist would remain in prison until he died. What I find interesting is, is that uh, I had this text actually planned a long time ago, so that it would happen tonight. It's kind of interesting that John the Baptist finds himself in prison Maybe tonight you feel like you're in prison. You feel like you're stuck. Maybe you feel like you're stuck in your job or at school and there's no way out. Maybe you feel stuck in your marriage or stuck in your financial situation or maybe even stuck in your relationship with God. It's like, I don't, I don't know, but I don't know how you're feeling. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know if you even feel stuck, but if you do, let me tell you, God wants you to know that He is with you, that He is for you, and He wants you to experience His love and grace fresh and new today. And God is anything but stuck. And He wants to transform your life. He invites you to get unstuck. He invites you to get in step with Him through the power of the Holy Spirit to receive what He did on the cross for you. And so we read those words in red. In Mark chapter 1 and verse 15, those very first words of Jesus. The time has come, He said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. What is the first commandment of Jesus? The first one in the words in red. What's His first command to you and me? Repent. Repent. In the Bible blog, I talk about it, so I won't take too long, but when I hear the word repent, I think about the sidewalk preacher with the big sandwich board sign 
that says the end is near. And it's hell, fire, and brimstone preaching. And that's what comes to my mind when I think of this idea of repent or repenting. And, and yet it's Jesus who says it first. He's the one that commands His followers and commands everyone to repent. It's just simple. We must repent of our sin. Because we're all sinners. There's no one that's righteous. There's no one that's never sinned. We've all sinned. And yet we're not left alone in our sin. That's the good news. See, Jesus says you have to repent from the sin in your life. And He came to die on the cross for our sins. And even before He began His ministry, He begins with John the Baptist and He's baptized. And and you have to ask yourself the question, why was Jesus baptized with this baptism of repentance? John is saying, repent, be baptized. And, And Jesus is perfect. Why would He submit Himself to this Baptism of repentance when he's never sinned, when he didn't need it. And the answer is in 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be our sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He got stuck in sin so that we could get unstuck from our sin. That his body would be broken and his blood would be shed on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could be set free from our sin if we repent. It says in Romans chapter 6 and verse 18, now you are free from your slavery to sin and you have become slaves to righteous living. You've been set free from sin. Jesus calls you to repent. And you say, well, what does that mean? It's a Greek word metanoia, and it's actually a a term for the mind. And and what it is, it's saying, I need to rethink how I think about things. So if you just want to write down the word, you know, rethink. I need to rethink the way I think about things. Or you could say it this way, I need to move forward in a new direction while leaving behind an old course. That I need to turn around. I'm going in the wrong direction. I need to turn around. I need to rethink. I need to walk in a new direction direction. That's what repentance is. That's what we're called to do. But why is repentance so important? Why does Jesus say you must repent? Why is that his first command to you? And the answer is simple. It's because sin will destroy you. Sin will destroy your life. It says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages you'll be paid for your sin is death. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. Sin will bring death to your life. It will destroy you. And so we know this. So why do we keep going back to sin again and again? How do we find ourselves in something that we know will destroy us. And I think it's because we know we were created for an abundant life. We know we were created for this life from and with God. But we get so busy and so drained and, and, and just so numb. And, and, and we, just, we, we need to find a way to get what we want, but we get scared. And so we get hungry for this abundant life, so we start grasping at other substitutes. But I want to tell you, the faster and the quicker and the easier substitutes are the things that will destroy your life. 
You could say that sin is the wrong tool for the wrong job. So we want to be fulfilled. We want abundant life. And so we go to these things again and again, but it's the wrong tool for the job. We're making our Grand Prix cars for the, the, the Grand Prix Derby for Awana this week. So I'm, I'm telling Mark, we can do this. And, and I, I have the saw in the garage. I, I know it's the wrong saw, but I don't have time to go to Menards to get a different So I'm like, okay, son, I know it has the wrong blade. I know all that. I'm like, okay, but we can still do this. And the wrong tool destroyed that poor boy's little car. And I had to call, just snapped it in half. And so I had to, I had to find somebody who had an extra car so that we could get, thank you, Ellie, very much for the extra car. But, uh, but the wrong tool won't do the job. And, and sin makes these big promises to us. And it never delivers. I mean, think about it. You, you see people full of pride, or maybe it's yourself. You know, when, when you have pride, you know what? You will never really feel authentically important if you substitute pride, if you substitute that sinner, or greed. You'll never find contentment even though that's something that you're going for. Gluttony, you'll never have the feeling of being fully satisfied. Envy never makes you feel more complete. That revenge never is quite as sweet as you thought it would be. That lust will never fulfill that desire for love, to be loved and to feel love. Anger doesn't really make you more powerful or confident. And sloth will never give you a true sense of rest. These deadly sins can actually make you more dead than you were at the beginning. But yet they promise what we really want out of life. And the world turns to these sins again and again, and we do as well, but why do we turn to them again and again? And I think it's because we get used to it. We don't have time for the real thing, so we'll get the cheap substitute. And, and I, I liken it to, to taking that drive out on the country road, and you pass that farm, you know that farm that smells like the animals at the farm? And you just have, oh, roll up the windows. <laughs> we're, you know, we're going by it. And, and you probably, if you ask them, like, how does it smell? They're like, oh, I don't smell anything. Because they're used to it. They're used to the smell of that manure. And so you grow accustomed to it in your life. And we substitute this sin or that sin, and it's actually destroying you. You might get away with it for a little bit, but it will ultimately destroy you. That's why God says, I want you to repent. I want you to follow me. I don't want you to do things your way. Do them my way. There was a great pastor that wrote a book on the Ten Commandments, and he changed the title just slightly. Instead of the Ten Commandments, he called it the Tender Commandments, in the sense that it was God being tender to his people, saying, don't just do what you want to do, because if you do that, it will destroy you. It will lead to death. But, but follow what I tell you, and it will lead to abundant life. See, God speaks in his word. He tells us, this is exactly what I want you to do. His commands actually lead us to his great love. And Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness and to set us free from sin. That I don't have to sin anymore. And even if I do sin, I don't belong to that sin. And I talked about this when we talked from the book of Romans and how we're set free from sin. It said that sin is like that landlord that comes and it knocks on your door demanding a payment but you've been set free. You've been set free from the power of sin. You don't owe it anything. You don't have to even answer the door when it comes knocking because you don't belong to sin. He has set you free. So Jesus says, repent. And then the second command he gives us 
is believe. That's it. Repent and believe the good news. What is the good news? The good news of Jesus Christ is this. Your sins are fully forgiven. Jesus came to bring us into right relationship with God. Our sin separates us from God, and so God made a way through Christ and His sacrifice for our sin. It says in Romans chapter 5 and verse 19, For just as through the disobedience of one man, Adam, that many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of one man, Jesus, the many will be made righteous. Just as through Adam we are all sinful, through Jesus we can be made righteous. We need to present this good news, this gospel, which means good news, to the world that you need to just repent and believe because God wants His relationship with you. Who are we to tell this to? We need to tell this to everyone. But not just everyone out there. We need to tell it to ourselves. We need to tell ourselves to repent and believe and believe that God has forgiven us of our sin. Because God came for that reason. And if we come to Him in faith believing, He's not holding your sin against you anymore. Because He's paid the price for everything. Jesus has already paid the price. I think a lot of people get so worried about repenting because they don't want to have to bring all their garbage before Jesus. It's hard to do. I don't want to, I don't want to expose myself. I want to tell you, when you bring it again to Jesus, He doesn't hold anything against you because the price has already been paid. You, just, you get to become completely clean as you come and you repent. The only one that will have you revisit the past is the enemy. And I want to tell you, your past doesn't even exist anymore to God. It has been forgiven and thrown away. And so get out of the garbage can and keep bringing those things up because Jesus has paid the price and it's not held against you anymore. It's through His grace that He calls us to Himself and He simply accepts us in love. And that's the good news. That when you, when you repent and believe, your sins are fully forgiven. That's the new way. Jesus says, the time has come. The kingdom of God is at hand. There's a whole new way of doing this now. Repent. Rethink. Go in a new direction and believe that I have forgiven your sins. The baptism of Jesus, He, is, uh, he comes into the water and, and after He comes out of the water, the voice from heaven, the voice of the Father says, this is my Son in whom I'm well pleased. I, I wonder what that moment was like. I mean, I know Jesus knew that, but there's something about hearing it, right? You know, you know somebody loves you, but it's just good to hear it. You know, you know, I just, there's something about that. His father said to him, you're my son. I, I, I love you so much. I'm so proud of you. And what I always find remarkable about this is that, that the father says this about the son before he's ever begun his ministry. He's never healed one person. He's never preached one sermon. He's never done anything that he came to do. He, he was just living, living a life and hadn't performed anything. And God said, I, I'm so proud of you, son. I love you so much. And I want to tell you, we beat ourselves up so much because we say, oh, we're no good. Or, man, we've blown it here. I, I just got to work harder for God. I want to say, accept what he's done for you. 
repent and believe. And, and these words that you could say, well, that's great for Jesus that he got those words. You know, oh, you're, I'm the, he's the beloved son and God's well pleased in him. God loves him. He's so proud of him. You know what? Those words are for you. Because we've already read the verse, 2 Corinthians 5.21. God made him Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us. He made Jesus like you and me, that we might become the righteousness of God, that we might become like him. God has forgiven your sins. When you repent, he holds nothing against you because he's already paid the price. You don't have anything else to do. Just repent and believe and then go tell the next person. Would you bow your heads and your hearts with me tonight? I want us to, to embrace these first words of Jesus. And we'll look at more as the weeks move us toward Easter. But it starts at the beginning of repenting and believing. And I just want to encourage you tonight that if, if, if you're afraid to repent, if you're afraid to tell Jesus all of your sin, just, just saying, God, I'm sorry, and, and I want to tell you, don't worry. He's asked you to do it. He's not going to hold anything against you. It's, you're going to feel free and clean and new. And if you've been holding on to an old sin, if you've been you know, just going back to the, to the pride or the envy or the lust or the greed, or you know, if, if you go back to the old things again and again, I want to pray for you tonight to be set free. Because those will never satisfy you. In fact, they'll just destroy your life. And you've been set free from those. You don't have to do those anymore. You have to be in relationship with Him. You have to accept what He's done for you. That He was made like you so you could be like Him. So that as we remember in the weeks to come, His death on the cross and His resurrection, those both were for you to be fully forgiven and fully alive. So I want to pray for you tonight. And then we'll worship as we go. But I want you too to make that commitment to Jesus that you are going to repent. That you are going to rethink. That the time is now. The kingdom of God is at hand. It, it's time to change the way we think and to walk in a new direction. So tonight, if, if you need to make this prayer of commitment, I'm going to ask you to pray this. And Maybe you've been coming to church all your life and you've prayed this prayer many times. I'm just going to ask you to make it a prayer of commitment to Jesus tonight. That His very first command would be just heeded one more time tonight as a follower, as a believer. Pray this prayer of commitment with me tonight. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need your forgiveness. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you died for my sins. I want to repent of my sin. I want to repent of my sins. I now invite you. I now invite you to come into my heart and life. To come into my heart and life. I want to trust and follow you. I want to trust and follow you as my Lord and Savior. My Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. 
Let me pray for you tonight. Lord, we just uh, come to your word, to your words, to your commands. And Lord, for those that just prayed that prayer, and maybe they prayed it for the first time, thank you for the freedom that they have in you, the freedom of sin, Lord, that they are clean in you, they're made whole in you, they have new life in you. God, we just thank you for that, for those of us that are coming again anew and afresh, just repenting and believing, God. We thank you, God, that you don't hold it against us, that you paid the price that we could never pay. Lord, that you set us free from the power of sin. Thank you, God, that you're moving us in a new direction. That this good news, that this, this kingdom work, it's at hand right now in our life and in our world. So, Lord, we, we celebrate it tonight. But, God, we want to we wanna live it tomorrow and share it tomorrow. Lord, we're going to worship you now, and, and uh, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, thank you, thank you for the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me tonight?